We're starting. We're starting. And I wanted to, I don't, I did not watch the debate last night. I couldn't bring myself to watch it. You don't, I mean, we don't have to. We don't have, we, the world is tough enough without punishing ourselves. But the problem is now it is literally, and I'm still, I still am on whatever this Twitter X shit thing is. Right. And I still, you can't, now you can't, the problem is you can't even get away with it because they pull every friggin' clip, and that is the ongoing running... I think the, I think the actually official name that uh, that Elon Musk changed it to was this fucking Twitter X shit. It, which That's is exactly, it is a cesspool of just the worst... Right. Anti-Semitic shit, but we don't have. To, we could talk about that, and we could talk about the bullshit pass that this mayor has gotten. I am absolutely all I do is rage tweet about every Israeli and Jew who's like, "Wow, the mayor." I don't even want to talk. But see, now I'm off track because he never apologized to the Holocaust survivor that he verbally attacked after accusing her family of owning plantations, and then refused to apologize and double down on his bigotry and his bullshit. And now he's like. At the hotel, like touching the wall, and I want to—I really want to like break his hands off. So that's yeah, that. Let's, let's refocus. Let's re. Okay, yeah. Thanks for reeling me back in because that's a whole nother thing. But it, it goes. Okay, where do we even start? Where do we start with just who is paying other than Peter Thiel for Vivek Ramaswamy to spew absolute Putin talking points? The guy is absolutely. I see his face, and he's another one you just want to fucking punch. Well, I think he's. I think he's the kind of you know, if if, if an incel made a couple hundred million dollars, you'd get Vivek, right? I mean, but he wasn't always like that. It's bullshit. And his book is. Oh, he took money from George fucking Soros. No, but I I think what I I think you're 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 you know. I watched the clips of him, and I had two thoughts. The first was the exchange with Nikki Haley is fascinating. Fascinating and reveals so much. And, and I want to write a piece just about that two or three minute exchange between the two of them. And I'm no fan of hers, but the discussion of foreign policy where my, uh, my views align much, closely, much more closely with hers um, than with his, particularly with regards to the war in, in Ukraine. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting, that, that exchange. The other thing I thought watching him... Well, because he wants to give Ukraine to Russia? I mean... Right. That's right, basically, yes. But, but the other thing that's... And obviously, I don't support that. The, the other thing that really struck me was watching him... Now, you may know, I and mean, we've known each other for many years, and, and we've talked about politics a lot. You may know that I'm not exactly a big fan of Donald Trump. Um, but <laughs> what struck me watching him is that he is a much more dangerous version of Donald Trump. Because Why? I'll give you a couple of reasons. He's young. He's um, much smarter. And he's not hampered by the mental illness. And I don't, I want to be clear. When I say mental illness, I don't say that in a ha-ha kind of way. I know. I say that in a very serious way. I know. But, but if you were, you know, if you were unfortunate enough to be working for Donald Trump in any capacity, much of your work is managing him making sure he gets places on time, making sure he can get out of bed in the morning. I mean, this is a guy who's pretty dysfunctional. Ramaswamy is a young man who can function. And the way he can brazenly look in the camera and lie... So can Ron DeSantis. So can all of them. But, but DeSantis, what, DeSantis was the invisible fucking man up there, right? Pardon my language. I mean, no I, pardon I, necessary. I watched a 10-minute clip on, on CNN 
with Anderson Cooper, I believe, and John King, and then a bunch of guests, you know, a bunch of... Yeah, guests. the panel, yeah. Yeah, and, and they went around the room, and it was not until minute eight of this, until the last person, last panelist, who was David Axelrod, who's the senior CNN guy, when DeSantis' name even came up. And DeSantis, I mean, excuse me, and Axelrod mentioned him almost as a charity, because he had to, because he was kind of mentioning everybody. DeSantis has disappeared from this thing. Ramaswamy, who may vault into second place in the polls, is a younger, smarter, more functional version of Donald Trump. He said he said Trump was the best president of like the 21st century. Like you can't tell me that this guy who ha- somehow made billions of dollars in the tech industry or millions or whatever he made believes that. You can't it, that, no, of course he doesn't. That's what I mean when I say he lies brazenly into the camera. He has the Republican Party's about grievance. I mean, look at Ramaswamy's book. He talks about at one point how there's no prejudice because his conservative white friend at Harvard wasn't popular socially as, you know, some black guy on the football team. His words, not mine, right? Okay. And, you know, this is a guy who, I mean, he has, he has built his, his political profile about being, you know, the anti-woke, which means racist guy, right? And he has captured the anger and the resentment and the grievance that mobilized the Republican Party but he's, I mean, what's amazing to me... But he's a brown guy. He's, he's in a he white... I don't... But that's I, what makes it so fascinating, right? That's what he... That's, you know, a South Asian immigrant spouting white nationalist rhetoric, embracing a white nationalist fascist movement is a very powerful political combination. There was one moment there when Chris Christie said to him, oh, you know, a, a, a skinny brown guy with a funny name. We've heard that before. That sounds like Barack Obama. He totally ripped that from Barack Obama. But, but you know what? He's not stupid. He did that on purpose because he because Obama touched a nerve in a good way in all of us, even those people who didn't like him, because everybody recognized the extraordinary intellect and the extraordinary political skill. Now, Barack Obama is much smarter than Ramaswamy and much more politically skillful. Thank you. You can just leave it. There's something at my door. You can keep going. But he wanted people to make that association, which is why he said it. And Christie called him out on it. But I think this guy is, is fascinating. He's not going to win this primary. Donald Trump's going to win this primary. But he is the heir apparent at this point to the Trumpian movement. Now, a month from now, he may have disappeared. But whether but he's the kind of guy who can sustain it and who would be very dangerous because he has what DeSantis doesn't have, which is charisma. Right? He has charisma. People, he's... he's because he's talking, out talks everybody. He looks in the camera. He laughs a lot. That fake smile. I wanted to punch him in his face. That it's fake smile. Shit. Uh, but, but let me tell you something else about the Nikki Haley exchange. At one point, he said to her, well, you know, you'll just, you're just saying this to get in the board of you know, Raytheon and these defense uh, contractors. And look, Haley is not going to be president, just like Ramaswamy or you or me is not going to be president. But, and she's not going to be secretary of state in a Biden administration. You know, potentially in a DeSantis administration, she could be, right? But DeSantis isn't the nominee anyway. Where is Nikki Haley going to be in a few years? She's going to be sitting on those corporate boards, right? So when he says that as an attack, it resonates because it's not inaccurate. He understands how to push the buttons of Republican primary voters who believe, in Donald Trump's words, that the system is completely rigged and all of these politicians are in on it. I think he's onto something. I don't think he'll be the nominee, obviously. But he scares me. I watched that, 
And I'm less frightened of DeSantis because DeSantis has, does not have the political skill. DeSantis has dead cats. I'm telling you right now, there are dead kittens in DeSantis's backyard. There's an FBI profiler that knows that that dead glazed look in his eyes is indicative of he's a... Going no, none of those... I mean, he's going nowhere. Tim Scott, who is kind of the friendly fascist in the group, he's going nowhere. The people, you know, and, and Chris Christie, you know, didn't get the knockout punch he needed to get him to second place. Mike Pence is Mike Pence. I mean, he's, he's just, you know, he's, he's just a... It's the Scott... It's... it's in 30, you know, one point his life did the right thing. Um, but he still can't acknowledge that he did the right thing. He still sits there and licks the guy's boots. I mean, it's... I can't even begin to tell you that it, it was... Just from the clips, like, I, I mean, from not even sitting there and watching it, from the fact that they all dressed the same, they all did their little blue suit, red tie kind of bullshit, the fact that they all raised their hands to destroy Social Security, the fact that it's the majority of men standing up there deciding what women should do with their bodies, the fact that they still use terms like late-term abortion, that's not even a term. Vivek Ramaswamy thinks that climate change is a fucking hoax. No, he doesn't think that climate change is a hoax. Vivek Ramaswamy will say anything to get ahead. And that's why he's frightening, and that's why he's like Trump. You know that he's smart enough to know that climate change is real. You know that. Yeah. Right? But, but politically, he will play. He is, he is power hungry. He understands how to speak the fascist language. And he has that Trumpian laugh, insult, smile, talk over everybody. And that now, now we're all saying this. But we all know that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee. And if you really want to see something wacko, watch that Trump interview with Tucker Carlson. I didn't even, I couldn't even. Which makes these eight clowns look like, you know, the, the founders of the, the Constitutional Convention. Can we to just talk about the fact that, that Tucker Carlson literally sent texts to people about how much he despised and hated Donald Trump, and now he has to sit across? What is that dynamic? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? That this is what you really think, but then you're going to sit across from the guy that got you fired from your network job and put you in this position, and now you actually are there kissing his ass on the eve of, like, his fourth arrest? This is, this speaks... Where the fuck are we? What planet are we on? The cravenness of Tucker Carlson. And the desperation within the right-wing movement where you just have, you know, attention is the coin of the realm. And Tucker Carlson just desperately needs that attention. This is a guy who, because of, you know, who, because of his charlatanism and his hucksterism, has made millions of dollars. And he's a man who's about 50 years old. He could retire happily and do something, you know, he, he could, you know, col- work on a stamp collection or, you know, um, hike the, the, across Europe or something. Something interesting. All he has is the desperation for attention. And the coin of the realm is desperation, is attention, it's getting, it's, it's the kind of careerism in a track that you and I don't even understand in the right-wing media sphere. And that's what, and he got the interview with Donald Trump, right? An hour or whatever it was, long interview with Trump. And that is- Did you watch, did you watch it? I watched a few clips, yeah. And, and remember that by Friday lunchtime, or maybe, cocktail hour, as we say here where I am in New England, um, we're all talking about Donald Trump again because he's turning himself in, right? All of this debate stuff is, is a 48-hour story. And they are all chasing second place. But why are they chasing second place? Well, different reasons, right? But mostly they're looking towards 2028. And the problem is none of these people have the staying power. DeSantis, by 2028, he's not smart enough 
What he really needs to do is to go back and focus on being governor of Florida. And have a well, actually, he needs to stop being the governor of Florida. No, I'm saying but, if he wants to be president. But this, he's not going to do it. Nikki Haley, within four years from now, no one's going to be paying enough attention. Tim Scott, you know, will still be around. Mike Pence will be forgotten. Ramasamy will be 42 years old and will have had four years with, you know, a position on Fox or something like that. So they're all thinking towards 2028. But in the meantime... Are we going to get out of 2024? I mean, fuck that this... My next, that was my next question, right? I mean, I, I you know... When people ask me who, who on, on the Democratic side, where we're dealing, you know, post by 2028, where we're dealing with functioning people, and, you know, you could have opinions, you know, Gretchen Whitmer comes to mind, Josh Shapiro, I think of his name more Shapiro. Um, but I ask people, you know, it's not at all obvious that we're getting to 2028 as a functioning country, as a country that has free and fair democratic elections, that a, a country that has a unified, cohesive government. And I don't. And, 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 and what I saw yesterday or last night or on these clips that I watched was a number of politicians, and I would put particularly, to, to the extent he said anything, DeSantis, Ron Swamy, a couple of the others, and Trump, of course, willing to just not just stoke the, the embers of, of the collapse of the United States, but to kind of throw gasoline on those embers for the hopes of moving their own lives ahead and their own careers ahead just a little bit. And that's a very, very frightening place. What, what, you know. What do we do? Like, what do we do? What the fuck do we do? Like, I don't, I'm at the point where I'm like, I can tag all the Trump trash that I want. We could sit here and rant all we want. But in, in all honesty, like, what in the actual fuck do we do? Because this is, this guy, like, this mugshot and the whole shit, and now they're using this, they're trying to, it'll never happen. God will I mean, I'd really like to put my faith in Neil Katyal and Andrew Weissman, who say that the 14th Amendment thing will not work, and they will not get rid, they will not be able to remove Fonnie Willis from this RICO charge, and he will not skate on this thing. Well, I think there's a lot, there's a lot in there. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I wrestle with this because I don't, I, I, you know, if I had an answer, I would tell you, right? Um, I don't know what we do. And I think that's a complicated question because what do we do in the short one? We do everything we can to reelect Joe Biden. Joe Biden. What do we do? What else do we do? We think about our own selves and our own lives. And how do we survive this? And I'm not talking about like self-care and make sure you, you know, take yourself out for a fucking latte or something. Right. I'm talking about literally how do we right. survive? How do we anticipate in our own lives and address the potential collapse of a complex functioning economy? Because exactly, like what happens to medical, like what happens to medical insurance, what happens to women's rights, voting rights, human rights, gay rights? But but beyond that, what happens when, for example, red states no longer, when... Uh, there are when a riot when when a, a a kind of Proud Boys event ends with someone throwing a Molotov cocktail through the window of an African American church, through the window of a Jewish community center, through the window of of a mosque or a Muslim grocery store where people shop for halal meats and, and you know other Muslim, other say Middle Eastern food products. Um, what happens then? What happens when after that happens, uh, a People who are angry then, you know, take up arms and attack that that MAGA crowd. What happens? I mean, we. we well, what happens? What happens to this poor woman in Cal- in California who was shot? If the situation was reversed, 
Right, and, and, and make no mistake, this is an act of domestic terrorism. This is an act of political violence, that woman in California. What happens when Gretchen, Gretchen Whitmer, who they tried to kidnap and kill, but that plot was foiled. What happens if they don't foil it next time? And what if it's Josh Shapiro or Gavin Newsom or any other governor or, or you know, Democratic attorney general or whatever? Well, look, they tried to do it to Nancy Pelosi's husband. Or to Nancy I mean, or Nancy Pelosi. He tried to do it to Nancy Pelosi, but, but she wasn't home. That's what we're dealing with here. And, and, and when you keep poking that, eventually it explodes. Right, because we don't fight the same way. We don't fight the same way. And I'm not saying we should. And I'm not saying that that's the right answer. But I'm saying we do not fight the same way. We do not go we we do not try to strip people of their rights. We we do not try we're not trying to take away anybody's guns. We're trying we don't threaten or use violence, right? Well what the fuck do we do? What do we do? Hold on, I'll tell you a couple things we do. The first thing that we do is I mean I was just thinking about this yesterday. Because the handmaiden of this fascist movement is the main, so many in kind of the mainstream of academia, of journalism, of punditry, refusing to call it what it is. Because to call it what it is is to elevate a crisis to something that nobody wants to do. Everybody wants to believe that people like you and me are the crazy ones, right? But I told you back in 2017 that Trump wouldn't leave office if he lost. Right. Right. I'm I, I'm I'm bringing my analytical skills, which have which are drawn on my experiences in more countries than I can count offhand. With you know, not that it matters to much of the world, but several events agrees in a lifetime studying this stuff. This is what I see. But when we go on television and we watch that CNN panel, they said, well, you know, Vivek said this and this and that, blah, 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 blah. and no one's saying Donald Trump's going to be the nominee and democracy is at stake. And 2021, January 6th, is going to look like a Sunday school picnic compared to what could be coming down the pike in 2025. One of my colleagues. I was on a radio show with her, Arnie Arneson out of New Hampshire, and she said to me, or she said to the panel, my fear, obviously, is that Trump wins, but my fear is also, if it's close, Trump will go back to what he did in January 2021. And I said, I agree with you, but it's going to be close. Inevitably, it's going to be close. So we are on this collision path. The stakes will be higher next time because right. of all these indictments. Well, now we know. We're also responsible because we know what the outcome could potentially right. be. Right, and, we, and we're on this collision path. And we also know, you know, we don't know for sure what would happen if the Democratic, capital D, Democratic Party President Joe Biden called out the security forces to put down a violent uprising of white nationalists. We don't know what would happen. Well, We really don't. We have to recognize that. The security forces, not every person, I want to be clear, are infiltrated by these white supremacists. They're very powerful in those in that world, and we don't know what will happen. Well, so a lot of them are. Do. That's what's terrifying. A lot yeah, of them are. That's what I'm saying. You know, as we used to say, blue by day, white by night, right? Meaning blue uniforms switching for white sheets. Um, we said that back in the 70s and 80s, but that, that basic theme, there's a lot of truth to that. So we are careening towards a crisis, and... Many, many Americans, and the more time you spend, you know, not sitting in in seminar rooms in universities teaching political science where people think about this all the time, but what you see is a few things that really strike me. One, many people go about their lives concerned about this, but they just have to function and they go about their lives. Many people will do anything to avoid discussing politics. Right. Because 
they know that they don't they just don't want to get in the fight and then you know like where i am right now you see the let's go brandon signs you see the the tattered trump 2020 signs uh was lepage who ran for governor in 22 is kind of a trumpian figure up here in maine you see that the and, and the, you know and it's a very odd thing i mean if you think of american political history you know uh, i supported mondale in 1984 just to pick a, a random democratic lost and in 1985, six and seven, I didn't see any Mondale signs from 84 around my neighborhood, which went for Mondale. But right. Um, and I didn't see any Dukakis signs. And when Jimmy Carter lost after one term as president in 70, in 80, when he lost to Reagan, but you know the cult is different. And but they need to start acknowledging the fact that it's a. I think he needs to be addressed. As he is, it's a cult. He leads a cult. He's a rapist who is out on bail, who is, you, you know, as long as they keep former president or as long as every one of these MAGA whack jobs keeps talking to him, referring to him as President Trump, it, it helps to, like, dilute the situation, I think. And the, and the, the reality is he is a freaking criminal who has been proven guilty and who who is now going 91 or 101 felonies and people are like even if he's in jail I'll still but vote for him do? what do you do you know by the time I mean remember you know the Watergate break in the break in that led to you know all of that and I'm going to get the date wrong but it was roughly June of 1972 okay 26 months later August of 1974 Nixon resigned so it's about a 26-month period from the break-in to the resignation. And once Nixon resigned, around the time he was about to resign, his numbers began to really crater. And there simply was no support for him in either part. Okay, so if we start, and I think this is too late to start, but if we start at the latest, January 6, 2021, it's now been well over 26 months. And if we go back earlier to really the first election, it's been you know seven or eight years of that we've talked about this. And his, I can't the believe number, the percentage of Americans who not only think that you know he didn't do that somehow he's okay, but who would believe agree with Vivek Ramaswamy that he's a, a, an historically great president who is victimized by a Department of Justice that's been weaponized by the thug Joe Biden. That's about forty percent of the population who believe that, and the country cannot function unless you change that those opinions. You're not going to solve this. How do you, they don't have any cult expert. I think every panel of every show on every major, they need an expert in cult ideology and behavior because people need to understand how this shit works. Like, I, no, I can't sit here and wrap my head around how people can honestly think that this guy who's been committing crimes his entire life is, is not shady as fuck. Like, he did not do illegal things. Like, you do not have to be an but expert. Let's look at this Georgia case just for a moment, because I want to ask a question. Let's say that, you know, he turns, you know, he goes in, he gets fingerprinted, all that stuff, right? Let's say all 19 of these people are convicted. And let's say they all do time. Admittedly, we're unlikely, but this is a, a, a kind of a thought experiment. Do you think that changes anything? And nobody flips on him? And nobody flips to save their own ass yeah, and comes out? Hypothetically. Do you think that changes anything? I don't think it does. I think it's going to, I honestly, I think it's going to take... I can't see 19 people willing to go to jail for the for, for I know Weisselberg did it. Weisselberg needed to do it for his family. Weisselberg had a family to take care of. He needs the money. He needs it's the payoff. If you're one of these loves and you flip, they're going to come after you. They're going to try to kill you. 
I still don't. I still don't think Jenna Ellis wants to do time in jail. I don't think Sidney Powell wants to spend the no, rest of her no, life in jail. I don't think Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis want the MAGA mob turning on them. That's what this is about. Do not underestimate the the centrality of violence and the threat of violence to this movement. And I am not going to talk about it here, and I hate to do this because it sounds very um very elitist. But I have really spoken to people who have made sure that told me in confidence it's much more serious than we think i can i totally a thousand percent agree with you because if if this is what we're seeing the violence that we're seeing there's no way i believe you that there is not worse shit that is being planned and stopped and like things that are going on so people back down so you know so but but even if they all go to jail it doesn't change anything So how do you, what do you do with 70 million people who have been indoctrinated by this freaking wacko? I mean, that's, this is a very, very confoundingly difficult question. And I go back to, to go back to your question of what do you do? Yeah. You have to think on different tiers, different levels. One is, you know, politically, what do I do? I vote, I make sure I volunteer, I get money, all of that. What do we do? We try somehow to have a strategy that, that, you know, as, as people who, as much as you and I, maybe we talked about this and I can write about this on my Substack, we're not reaching, we're not players in this, right? Right. But we can do what we can to, to increase dialogue, to push for programs that might, policies that might help everybody enough that you move voters to Biden, right? So, for example, the, the Inflation Reduction Act, which may not do it fast enough, but was going to have an impact, right? But the third thing is you make decisions about your, your own personal safety and that of your family. Right. And those are the hard things, right? Well, and not that, everybody has a passport to go to another country. Not everybody can pick up, not everybody can pick up and move. Or the money. But, but that's why you think, what is the community that's going to keep me safe? Right? What is, 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 it, is it Manhattan? Where I'm surrounded by like-minded people and I don't feel a threat of violence. I, no. what, do you, what, what happens? It's, it's like the same thing. Like, do you stop, like, do you, do you stop wearing yarmulkes out in public? Like, do you, do you have to go and change what you wear, how you talk, like, who you associate with? I mean, all of these right. things and that, like, look, where you work. I mean, you know, what if, you know, there are people who live in the more, the more MAGA parts of the country and they feel less safe, right? And when we saw right. this happen in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with this guy Kyle Rittenhouse, <sighs> these are very, very difficult questions. And yeah. I just see that our institutions, you know, even the people who are trying, and we certainly are seeing the justice system trying, are not up to saving us. And you know, the very first, one of the very first times we discussed this, you know, in my Mitchell Minute, my very first Mitchell Minute. You know, I go back to that because I stand by what I said. The, the uh, there's no Deus ex machina here, and 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 the Georgia, excuse me, the Fulton County District Attorney, uh, Jack Smith, they're they're like like Mueller. They're not going to save us. So what do you think and, the outcome? Well, with all of this stuff going on, then what is? I mean, then what's the fucking point? Then what is the if they can't do something to make a dent? Then what is what is the point? Like what, Jack Smith put war criminals away. I mean, it should be a no-brainer with, with well, this look, fucking I, I idiot. Ask another question to make it even more difficult. What, what put an end to, Nazi, to Nazism in Germany? What put an end to fascism? Hitler. Military defeat. Yeah. Military defeat, right? It's not going to happen here. What we can do, my sense, my hope, <laughs> is that, you know, I, I remember when <gasps> Biden went in 2020, 
and and someone asked me, you know, is this does this mean democracy won? Which it was it did not. And I gave a baseball metaphor, and I'm going to try to do it again. Let's say you know a ho- democracy is a home run. Okay. Right? Um, and and you know the collapse of democracy is a foul ball that, that goes you know just misses a home run and it goes. Um, what happened in 2020 was that the ball stayed in the air long enough that it still might land in fair territory for a home run, right? Yeah. Had Trump won in 2020, it would have landed in foul territory, which in this tortured analogy is fascism, right? And, and now we're heading into 2024, and it's a similar situation. If Trump wins, that ball lands in foul territory, and it's over, right? If Biden wins, it doesn't land in fair territory for a home run, but it's, you know, if I'm going to date myself here, but, you know, Carlton Fisk in game six and 12th inning of the 1975 World Series, I'm in New England, this is Red Sox country. <laughs> the Red Sox are my 15th favorite team in the American League. Um, the, you know, it's, it still might land in fair territory. All we can do is whatever we can to keep that ball in the air long enough that maybe between the, the aging out of the MAGA movement the, the legal processes that are bearing down on Trump and the people around him every day, the unpopularity of their opinions. Don't forget about that, right? One of Ramaswamy's really more dangerous ideas is taking the franchise away from people who are 18 to 25 years right. old. Right. From uh, the guy who didn't even vote, the guy who only voted in two elections, by the way. And why does he want to do that? Because these people vote overwhelmingly Democratic. Why do they vote ever overwhelmingly Democratic? Well, I will ask you that. I will answer that question in the form of a question. Have you ever talked to somebody in that age group? Right? I talk to a lot of people in that age group because I teach them and because both my sons and most of their friends are also in that age group and my nieces and nephews. Niece and, nephew. and, you know, you'd be surprised. There's not a lot of 22-year-old guys and women running around out there saying, gee, what I really want is to make sure, is to have more guns so that people can shoot up the schools more, right? Right. And there's not a lot of 23-year-old women running around saying, what I really want is Alito and Clarence Thomas telling me what I can do with my body. Right. And there's not a lot of, you know, 19-year-old trans people saying, what I really want is to be punished, threatened, and maybe killed because of who I am. Right. Right? These are not, and, and, and none of these people, regardless of gender or identity or race or ethnicity, none of them are saying, what I really want is to fry up the fucking planet so that when I'm old, I don't have anywhere to, to live, I don't have any water to drink, and, and people are dying because of climate change. So what is, what's Ramaswamy's answer? What would be a smart... We know what Joe Biden's answer is. He's struggling to pass some policies to address these problems, right? right? Joe Biden has said that if the Republicans, Congress, puts a puts a bill on his desk banning abortion, he will veto it. None of those guys and women yesterday said that. Right. Biden's made his position clear. He's doing the best he can. Is he a perfect president? No. Is he better than most? Absolutely. Right. Right. What are the Republican plan? <laughs> Swami's plan is to stop them from voting which is the perfect Republican answer because that's their answer to every group they don't like. Black people, students, young people, Mexican-Americans, we'll just stop them from voting. Yeah. So, so I think that what we do is if we keep that ball in the air, we get more young people joining uh, the electorate, more old people aging out, right? We get every now and then a few people throwing their hands up in the air like Chris Christie did. And I don't, I'm not a big fan of Chris Christie. I'm a zero but fan. The dude is, was an enabler for far, way too long. He doesn't get a fucking pass. And that's where Ramasalmi is right. He said, you're driven by grievance and vengeance as well. And that was a good line because everybody knew it was true. Right. But so, so, so the hope is, you know, listen, 
we think of, of fascism when we think of Nazi Germany. Right. Always. Which we should never think. I mean, we should always think about, but we should be very careful about making those analogies. And we think of Kristallnacht, right? Right. And the beer hall puts, and we know we know the history there of both the rise of, of, of Hitler and Nazism and the, and the horrors that followed. But if we look at the rise of fascism in other countries, it's a it's a thousand small steps. Right. And that's what we've been seeing with this Republican Party. But if you want to defeat it, it's a thousand small steps the other direction. And that's what we can do is keep taking. It's chipping away a little bit here, a little bit there. It's keeping the democracy alive. One more election cycle. But I think, but but I agree with you. But I think we have to chip away a little bit faster at at salvaging it and bringing it back. Then they're chipping away at destroying it because right, they, yeah, yeah, it's a race. It is a race, and for some reason, we're always so friggin' slow. Like I just, I mean, I, I think we're slow. I think the reason for that is because we have this hope in the system, and I come at this from frankly, you know, I'm 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 appalled when I hear people saying, you know, Mueller will save us. The left, the progressive left from which I come, and I and I trace my progressive. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not going to. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't want to make myself be immodest here. But I, 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 my my roots in left wing progressive America go back at least three generations, right? And these were, I was not raised by my grandfather to trust the FBI or my mother or my father, right? I was not raised to trust American institutions to always do the right thing, right? But, but that has taken over the center-left as the professionalization of the activist class and the overlap between that activist class and the institutions themselves. And, you know, I studied with so-and-so at Harvard Law School and all of that bullshit. And, and so because we're too trusting in Robert Mueller, in Jack Smith, in the judicial system, and we see this with um, Eileen Cannon, who is the uh, judge on the... Uh, the doc, doc yeah. And as much as I don't like her, to me, she's a reminder, right? The institutions aren't going to save us. We talked about the security forces. There, the the, the white supremacist movement has infiltrated it. They're not going to save us. We are going to save us, right? There's that old... But then how do... The thing is also great. How do we get them out of those places? Like, how do we get those people that are having the liaisons with the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers about the... The movements of people and, and, and dates and things and information. Well, where, where I agree with you is that, you know, the next time we have, we, the Democrats have control of the Senate, get rid of the filibuster, start passing laws, right? Start, start yeah. passing laws, start challenging, you know, put, put ethics codes in place for the Supreme Court. There is not a damn thing in the Constitution that says that's not allowed. I've read the Constitution more than most. I teach it every year in Columbia. It does not say anything about that. If, if a bureaucrat who works for the EPA, who is the third person, you know, in the office that is working in the upper Midwest on, on access to clean water fields, right? If that person has to register and, 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 and uh, declare every gift she has given, every dinner she has taken out to, and they do. Right. Right? When you talk to these people, the ethical ones, they do, and they have to. And, and if you want to pick them, I mean, we've all, I mean, if you work around government people, honest government people, You've all had that situation where you're like, let me get this, because you went out for coffee. They're like, no, 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 I'm going to pay my share. Right. Right? Because that's, those are the policies. It's not the $5, right? They don't want to go back and fill out a form, but they would have to. So they say, listen, I'll pay for the coffee. Right. Why can't Clarence Thomas do that? Why can't Sam Alito do that? The reason is because there's no law. Why? Because no one's pushed it through. And what's Sam Alito saying? This is an attack on the judiciary. No, it isn't. Go back and read the Constitution. 
There is nothing. You know what? There's nothing in the Constitution about. There is nothing in the Constitution that says the Supreme Court has the right to declare a law unconstitutional. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Most people don't know that. <laughs> and if we think of the one power that the Supreme Court has, it's exactly that. Do you know where that happened? In a case called Marbury v. Madison, which if you have the, uh, if you ever go to law school, which I don't recommend, <laughs> but I wouldn't get in. Take, if you ever, you know, take a good American history or American political science class, you will study that. The Supreme Court, Chief Justice Marshall at the time, took that power for the court. Why? Because he wanted to, right? Because the American politics is always about these three branches vying for power. If they can take that power, then Congress can take the power of saying, you know what, you're going to have to declare when a billionaire buys a house for you. Right. Right? And maybe that pushes these people off the court. Or when your wife funds an insurrection. I mean, hello. Right, right. And by the way, you can still break the law, right? I mean, I mean, in other words, you can still be held accountable for breaking the law. Right. You have to break the law. So, so those are the things we can do. We have to be harder hitting here. The problem is, one, you know, it, it, you know, most people in the Democratic Party, I don't know, just to pick a couple names, you know, Alex Padilla, who's the, the junior senator from the state of California, or Dick Durbin from Illinois, or, you know, Amy Klobuchar from, from Minnesota, I'm just thinking of the Senate side, or, you know, most people in the House, they would go along with this. Right. But it doesn't matter if you don't have the votes. And so you got the mansion problem, you got the cinema problem, you have a very tough Senate map going into 2024. I think Biden's going to win in 2024. You know, I certainly hope so. I I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but if I were Hakeem Jeffries, I'd be looking forward to uh, my, 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 I think he's got a good shot at being the next Speaker of the House. But the Senate's going to be very difficult. And remember, since they don't want to govern, they don't want to pass laws, they don't want to solve problems, they want to steal money and destroy democracy. Right. That's what Trump wants to do. They don't have to win. They just have to have one thing. And if they control the Senate, it's going to be where we are now. You know, they can, as long as they control one House of Congress, except if they control the Senate, that means you can't put people on the Supreme Court. It just doesn't seem like anything is happening anyway. It just, it, it, even with all, nothing's happening to George Santos, George Santos falls off the map. And then Ginny right. Thomas falls off the map. And then, you know why George Santos falls off the map? Because the Republicans don't want to lose that seat. For sure. They're protect, of course they're protecting him. But it's, it's if nothing, there's no ethics. If that were a safe Republican seat, they'd ask him to put another Republican in there. But they want, you know, but that's not going to happen. Eh, but that's because uh, what's his name, Speaker of uh, with no spine over there, Kevin McCarthy owes his position to him. Right, he's got like five. He's got a vote margin of about five. Right, you know the, the, the thing about Kevin McCarthy is Kevin McCarthy wanted to be Speaker in the worst way possible. That is exactly what he did. Yeah, and that, right, he sold his soul, and now he's the worst Speaker right. in the worst way possible. Right, that's right, that's right. But fortunately for America. I don't think I'll have that job much longer. I mean, I think I think uh, uh, by by January twenty twenty five, it'll be uh, it'll be Hakeem Jeffries. You think he's gonna make? You think he's gonna make it that? He's all caught up in this shit, these these trials and all this kind of crap. You think it he's gonna? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you know, as long it doesn't matter which Republican it is, they're all interchangeable. At this point. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, you you read these. This is this is the perfect example of something that 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 that, that speaks to the unwillingness of so much of the punditry to, to recognize the problem. You'll see a headline. We've all seen this headline. McCarthy can't do this because of the, the far right pushing him, right? Right. McCarthy is the far right, is MAGA. Right. There's no difference there. Just because he can tie his tie properly or some fucking thing, you know, when has he meaningfully broken with Donald Trump when it mattered? The answer is never. Right, never. So it doesn't matter that he can occasionally say the right thing on television. 
It doesn't matter what these people say. It's what these people do. And right. what this guy has done is he has helped embrace the narrative that January 6th was a tourist event. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It, it, it's mind-boggling to, to listen to. And it's, it's I, I watch it, and I sit there, and I listen, and I try to soak it all. I, I, I try to evaluate. There's nothing to evaluate. We're, we're really screwed. We're really screwed by a bunch of racist, despicable, deplorable, Hillary was right about everything, but her emails, bullshit. I mean, it's, 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 I don't know. It's, it's not even, it's just. I think that's, that's right. And, you know. You, you run out of words. You run out of words. There's no words to describe really what the, what you're feeling because it's, it's exhaustion, exasperation, frustration, um, you know, just right. It's 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 desperation. Yes, it's the sense of there's no hope here, and and that's what we're fighting against. Right, and the, what is and the the hope is what the hope is that now you're saying hope, don't have hope in any of these cases. So the hope is that he drops dead, but who fills hope, in when he dies? Vivek Ramaswamy. The hope is that through the judiciary, through the mobilization of civil society, through winning a few elections. We keep the ball in the air a little longer okay. with the hope that it eventually lands in fair territory and someone gets a nice souvenir and America, uh, American democracy survives and improves. Okay. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to leave yeah. it on a hope. We're stopping on that note of hope and that whatever that text message is for bullshit. I just, uh, all right, I'm not saying anything else. Don't let me talk anymore, Lincoln. Let's just say goodbye and, like, have a great time in Maine because I right. I could go on, I could go on and on and on with every other idiot and just, let's right. just go watch the mugshot. Do you want to just guess the weight? Do you want to just guess the height and weight for the mugshot? 6'2", 270. No! <laughs> if Rudy was 230, I'm no, he is, the dude is so over 300. There's no way. All right, if he's if he's under 300, I buy you coffee the next time when you come home. If he's over 300, you're buying me coffee. All right. All right, and uh, go find Kong Don's Donuts on your way home. It is so worth the stop. In right. Wells, just drive through Wells and past, right before you cut through Algonquin, Get every donut and like all the whoopie pies you could fit in your car, and then you could thank I me later. Oh shit! All right, never mind. All right, all right. I'll talk to you later, Link. Bye-bye. All right, bye. All right, I'm going to try to keep this positive. Listen, first of all, the most important thing is that you can follow Lincoln on his Substack. You can follow Lincoln on Twitter at Lincoln Mitchell. You can follow him on the Instagram. He's still doing his Mitchell minutes. I wonder how many minutes he's done since we started the Mitchell Minute. Thank you very much for my brilliant idea. I take all the credit for that. Uh, however, I, there's still the Marjorie Taylor Greens, the Matt Gateses. There's still Jim Jordan. And there's it, it just Lauren Boebert and every other idiot that despite what happens to this guy, this absolute total repugnant excuse for a human being who somehow has managed to infect, infest, indoctrinate tens of millions of just pissed off white people. And I, I wish I should ask, like, I don't understand 
again, I get the power hung. I, I get they're power hungry. I get they're hangry. How can you be a black man licking the boots of a racist since forever he was raised by his Nazi KKK dad to not rent apartments to black people or people of color. And these idiots are out there talking about how everybody has done him wrong. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't think I'll ever get it. I don't know if even anybody could explain it to me, and I will get it. I just know that there are so many things wrong with so many of these candidates. They all suck. They all suck. There is not a decent, viable Republican candidate, not one. Not one of those people on the stage has any, has earned the right to sit in the most powerful position in the world, in the country, I mean, shit, I don't even know where we stand now. People must look at us like we're a batshit banana republic. So I, I don't, I don't want to go on too much longer because I don't want to take away from all the amazing, insightful, informative, and deeply disturbing things that Lincoln said. And it, 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 it's scary. If you're not scared, if you are not paying attention... If you are not speaking up, if you are not voting, if you are not finding a way to participate actively in saving this democracy, then please make sure that you remember to keep every single fucking complaint you have when it gets burned to the ground and and, and, and womp womp to you because uh, there is absolutely no reason, no excuse to sit idly by when there is always something that you can do, always making phone calls, sending emails, signing petitions. You don't have to get out and march. You don't have to have a sign. You don't have to put yourself in any undue physical danger, but you damn best better be prepared to, to do something if you're not already doing things. This is, this is no time to say, you know, I'm a little too busy. I don't have the time. Meh not going to affect me. Um, I'm not one of those people. Uh, we're all those people. We are all those people. Check your 23 and me. <laughs> we are all them. Unless you are, unless you are a native American Indian, we are all them and we are all on the stolen land and we all better damn well do everything we can to the best of our ability to make sure that we do not fall further into this abyss because it is it is terrifying and uh but the ball is up in the air hovering around the foul pole don't be that dick from that game that reaches out with the mitt and tries to with the headphones on that ruined the whole world series and tries to catch the ball <laughs> What was that guy's name? Don't be that guy. Don't do not be that guy. Um, okay. Other than that, go find Lincoln on all of his social medias. I'll put them all everywhere on my social medias. You can still jam with the fam every night at eight o'clock. Uh, we're still hanging around, checking in on each other. Um, and if you have anything you want to talk about, or anything you want to vent, or anything you want to rant about, let me know. We'd be good to go. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, do the best you can every day. 
and uh, pay it forward and check on your people. And uh, yeah, that, we'll just leave it at that. All right, thanks for listening. I'm going to stop rambling. Ending is always the hardest part for me, as you know. So let's yalla go. Thanks. Bye. Peace and hair grease.